friends, it's great to be back with you for another episode of the In Focus podcast, taking a fresh look at the Bible, some big Christian ideas, and how they bring our world into focus, empowering us to live new, more eternal kinds of lives within it. I'm your host, Justin Laughlin, husband, dad, pastor, and most importantly, follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. Once again, let's begin with a quick recap. We began the series with Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 19, noting how it situates all of us within God's story, living between Jesus' ascension and his return. And living in this context, Jesus teaches, our ultimate places in the kingdom of God will be determined by our responses to Jesus' claims over our lives here and now. Those who believe and who respond in faithful service will be richly rewarded with places of authority and rule in his coming kingdom. Those who only feign allegiance but who actually just live for themselves will ultimately have everything taken away from them. And those who oppose Jesus, rejecting the authority he claims to have over their lives, will face harsh consequences upon the return of the king. This parable raises a very important question. What is the business at hand for those seeking to live in faithful servants to the king between now and his return? Fortunately, the answer to this question is no mystery. Each gospel account records the final instructions of the king given to his disciples just before his ascension. Taken together, the four accounts of these final instructions paint a picture of the business at hand for us, the people taking our places in the story of God every single day between Jesus' ascension and his return. First, in Matthew, Jesus instructs all disciples to make disciples of everyone else. Next, in Mark, Jesus instructs his disciples to be announcing the gospel to everyone. In John, Jesus sends the disciples out as he was also first sent by the Father as agents and ambassadors of peace and reconciliation. And finally, in today's episode, we turn to the fourth account of Jesus' final instructions recorded for us by Luke. These instructions were written by Luke, spanning both of his volumes, ending the Gospel of Luke and beginning the book of Acts. And we will trace out Luke's account of the king's final instructions accordingly. Here they are, beginning in Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost, and he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. 
What should immediately strike us about Luke's account of Jesus' final instructions is how Luke recounts details also included by Matthew, Mark, and John. Perhaps this should be no surprise coming from the man who wrote not only the longest gospel account of the four, but who then doubled his efforts by continuing on to write the book of Acts. The result, as we have just seen, is that this most detailed gospel author has also provided the most detailed account of the king's commission. Here are some overlapping details of note. First, Luke records Jesus' context-setting blessing, peace be with you, just like John does. Luke notes that some disciples were doubting, just like Matthew. Luke's emphasis on the gospel is similar to Mark, though Luke doesn't actually use the word gospel and instead spells out the content of the gospel, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he suffered and died, that he rose again, and that all people everywhere must therefore repent and be forgiven in Jesus' name. Uh, Luke's extent of the mission echoes Matthew's account from Jerusalem, where the disciples were, to all nations, as far as they might ever go. And finally, although Luke doesn't specify what the promise of the Father is, we know from Acts that this promise is the Holy Spirit, which repeats the emphasis on the filling of the Holy Spirit that is also central in John 20, where Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into the disciples. And with all of these details fresh on our minds, we come to Luke's preferred word for the mission that lies ahead, witnessing. As in, you are to be witnesses of all these things. Witnesses of what things? Of course, the peace-bringing, reconciling king, of even the doubters being received and commissioned by Jesus, of all the gospel events that have just transpired, and of the commission of all disciples to go and share the gospel everywhere. These things. But first, and here's where we experience Luke's two-volume, two-phase commissioning. First, wait. There is certainly a job to do from where you are to the ends of the earth, but first, wait. The promise of the Father is still coming because you will need a power beyond yourself to effectively go about the business at hand. And then with a couple more short verses, Luke concludes his cliffhanger gospel account. The story then picks back up in the first chapter of Acts, verses 3 through 8. Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered for them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Shortly thereafter, of course, the Holy Spirit did in fact fall on all of the early disciples, and they were immediately empowered as promised. Acts chapters 3 through 28 record the spread of the gospel proclamation, disciple-making, church-planting, and the reconciling of people to God and to each other from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and toward the ends of the known world. So, 
In addition to validating what has already been noted by Matthew, Mark, and John, how does Luke contribute to our understanding of the business at hand? Luke reminds us that this is not a mission that the king intends for us to go about in our own power. So, if you've been listening to the past several episodes, taking Jesus' words seriously, and if you felt like you just don't have what it takes to faithfully go about the business at hand, you're right. You don't. Just stop and wait. You need a power beyond yourself. You need to be filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. This is the King's plan for you as you go about the business at hand. Or perhaps you've been listening and taking Jesus' words seriously, and you're excited and motivated, and you have some great ideas about what lies ahead. Perhaps you even have some great tools and resources and determination and charisma. Perhaps you do feel like you have what it takes to go about the business at hand. You must hear the words of Jesus, the commissioning of the king, all the same. You too must stop and wait. You too need a power beyond yourself. You need to be filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, because this is the king's plan for you as well as you go about the business at hand. So there it is, the business at hand, from the king's mouth to our ears, via the four gospel accounts, of course, to share the gospel everywhere and with everyone, to be and to make disciples everywhere we go, to be ambassadors of peace and reconciliation, seeing people everywhere made right with God, right with each other, and rightly situated in the world, and to be going about all of this in a power beyond ourselves as renewed and restored image bearers of God filled with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. With this business at hand nicely in focus, we'll return in the next episode to Luke chapter 19 for our conclusion to this exciting series. Until then, thanks for checking out today's episode. I hope it has helped bring your world and the King's business at hand into a little better focus, empowering you to live a more eternal kind of life here and now between the King's ascension and His return. If you're streaming today's episode from a podcast provider, it'd be great if you take a second to give it a good review and to become a subscriber. Your engagement makes it easier for new listeners to find the show in the future. If you'd like, you can also share this episode directly with your friends on social media. A link is provided in the show notes to do just that. Until next time, as we conclude this series on the business at hand between the King's ascension and his return, thanks again for being a friend of the show and for tuning in to End Focus. May your world continue coming into clearer focus, and may God lead you into an increasingly eternal kind of life before him. 